All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Legacy City Church, church fam. It's good to see everybody. Are we, do we have kids all in the room? It feels like there's, okay, they're here. They're just all spread around. Normally, they're all packed in one row. So, uh, and we're missing most of the Fitzhughes, but we do have Clayton here today. Clayton is here to represent the Fitzhugh tribe. So it's good to have you here with us. So whatever God does with him today is going to just spiritually be transferred to his parents and his siblings. Awesome. Well, it's going to be a good morning. Naira is going to share today. She's going to share her testimony and do kind of a teach testimony time for the first time. Yeah. Oh, for her testimony. She shared, actually, I didn't realize it was a year ago that you shared when the power went out that time and we didn't get a record because you spoke in the... Yeah, signs and wonders. (laughs) And uh, we're going to take communion together this morning. And the the Knowles, (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Noel Hall, will be leading us through communion. And then once they are finished leading us through communion, we are, I'm seeing a new person walking up here. So I'm getting all excited. Oh, that's your daughter. Well, she's kind of like a new person. Uh, Once communion is over, we'll go back into one last uh, song of worship and adoration because Jesus is just that good, and we just, we want to love him as much as we can this morning. Good morning. I know why you're here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm going to open up with a scripture reading, and then we will uh, worship together. You guys good? Everybody cozy? No, you don't have to worry, son. We're good. No slides. I'm just going to read. We don't want to overcomplicate it for this poor kid over here. He's got slides coming out of his ears this morning. You see it? I see them. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here we go. So I'm going to read a little scripture from Hebrews chapter 10. So you guys just kind of of hone in. Let your spirit just kind of settle. Um. Let's just, just close your eyes for a second. I really want to receive from the Lord while we read his word. So we just close our eyes, Lord. We recognize your presence in the room right now. We recognize you. We want to turn our heart towards heaven. We want to step into your throne room right now. We want to come before you this morning and hear what you have to say to us. We want to know your thoughts, because if your thoughts outnumber the sand of the seashore, then we know you have something for us this morning. So we just position ourselves right now. We turn our spirit, our heart, the core of who we are, we aim it right at you. We lift up our heads, and we just fix our eyes upon Jesus this morning. We don't have to be bowed down and full of shame and humility But we do humbly come before you, but we look up to you as sons and daughters this morning. And so we just prepare our hearts to read your word. So Hebrews chapter 10, let's start at verse 5. This is from the Passion Translation. So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, 
I will be the one to go and do your will, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law required them to be offered. And then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifice and replaces that entire system with a new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all, all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. Just say this this morning. We have been purified and made holy once and for all. Thank you, Lord. Yet every day, priests still serve, ritually offering the same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that can never take away the sin's guilt. But when this priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God. That is the throne we're going to worship before this morning, where Jesus is seated waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turned into his footstool. That's a good picture right there. The enemy of your soul, the enemy, the biggest enemy of your lifetime is being made a footstool for the feet of Jesus. (laughs) That makes me want to laugh big time. But anyway, back to the scripture. Verse 14, And by his one perfect sacrifice, he has made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Say this after me. I am perfectly holy and complete for all time. Right on. We can't add anything to it. He's done it all. That's why he's so good and worthy of our praise. The Holy Spirit confirms this to us by this scripture. For the Lord says, afterwards... After the cross, I will give them this covenant. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. Who? He wants to embed his words in your heart and on your thoughts. That is powerful. And then he says, I will not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. He's forgotten it. He chose to forget it all. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? You cannot pound yourself enough and beat yourself up enough this morning to get rid of any guilt or shame that you're carrying. It's already been paid for, and Jesus wants to peel it off of you because the price has been paid in full. And now, why don't we stand up? Because this is the good part where we're going to start to worship. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. We are family because of his blood. We have been grafted into his bloodline through the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us. He is welcoming you this morning to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. Right now, you don't have to wait until you die to go there. 
We have access to go right into the heavenly sanctuary right now. In fact, we are standing in it now. He welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and with no hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, and we're going to celebrate this this morning, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access. Free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart. Open up your heart. Fully convinced, be fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So I'm going to have you guys say one last thing here. Just say, I am clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the precious blood, the most powerful substance in the entire universe. We come to you by that blood this morning. We wear it on our bodies. We wear it on our minds and our spirits. We are covered in that purifying, sanctifying, freeing blood of the Lamb. And we approach you with boldness and confidence to worship you. We choose today to give you the highest praise because you are worthy Lamb of God. And here we come now in your name. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <clears throat> God, we thank you that this bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. We thank you that Christ lives in us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, setting us into a family of believers, the body of Christ, your church. And now we receive this bread as the body of Jesus, broken for us. Amen. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together.
to them saying, drink from, from it, all, all of you, for this is my blood, the new covenant which, I, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of Jesus, your only son, to die for us. Wash us clean and bring us and bringing us peace with you. May the blood of Christ purify your conscience from sinful deeds so that you can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal Holy Spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for your sins. And may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And your, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until that day when the Lord Jesus comes again. And he will. God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. We pray and believe in the power and presence of God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Holy, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we're going to continue to worship with one more song, so why don't you guys go ahead and stand. grateful that there is none like you father no matter where we go you've already gone before us no matter how crooked that path is lord you've made it straight for us no matter how many rocks are there for us to trip and fall on lord you've gone before us and removed them if we will just keep our eyes on you our trust in you father our joy in you that is our strength because you are our King of kings and our Lord of lords. And we are grateful, Lord. We are grateful. I was in Tacoma, and my kids and my baby just moved yesterday in process. And we get over there, and husband calls me and says, really good chance of snow. He said, can you stay there? And I'm like, well, there's no beds here. There's no... So I just said, you know, God, this is an impossible situation for me. I'm not, I'm not liking what it's looking like, just being honest with you, God. So I just said, Lord, could you either make it like dumb snow right now so I have no choice and I just shut up and I get on the floor and put up with it? Or could you move it for a day or two? Because the tail end of the story, God, is I really want to go to church tomorrow morning because I really want to be with my family. And number two, I really want to hear Naira and be here in support of her. And I was kind of hoping her kids were going to slide in, too, because I've been missing seeing them. Our paths just have not been crossing. And here they are. So I'm excited. And I hope that you're with me that he took favor on poor little old me and said, okay, no snow for at least another 12 hours. So we can start snowing anytime after 2 this afternoon in my book. And if you want it to not snow, you're on your own to get your faith and your prayers going. Okay? Okay.
Isn't this the saddest testimony you've ever heard? I'm all out of biscotti. I've been out for three days. That means I'm close to, to withdrawals now. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need biscotti. So I did the ultimate sacrifice and pulled into Fred Meyers. Yeah, guess what? Guess where the biscotti was? Yeah, way up high. So I said, okay, God, this is your opportunity to show up, do a miracle, and we can all just go home. You don't sleep, but I do. That's where I want to head to. So all of a sudden, I turn around, da-da-da-da, here comes my miracle answer. I don't know who this guy is. And I said, dude, and he looks at me, and I said, could I just borrow, like, your height, probably 30 seconds, I said, I'm desperate for the biscotti in the back here, and I can't reach it. <laughs> he starts laughing, and he says, okay, okay. And I, I just said, well, could you just get me at least all the ones with the chocolate dip on them? But while he's doing it, I'm going, dude, you just rock. Because the Bible says you lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Now, I don't know what's, what's plaguing this guy, if anything, other than... He ain't saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, I get to help this lady. So I'm assuming somewhere there's something that needs to get broken off. So he gets to minister to me, know it or not. However, you know me, I'm just being Greek, born again, crazy little lady. And I'm going, dude, all right, dude, oh, wait, there's one more box. Can you grab it? Can you grab it? Well, it cost me 40 bucks to get out of Fred Myers, except that number one is God's money. Number two, that was God's rendezvous for that guy. I don't know what broke off of him. I just know that number three, I got to be a crazy little kid and be a part of a healing somewhere. Number four, when that guy was leaving, he said, oh, he said, he said, happy holidays. And I said, yeah, I said, Merry Christmas, because Jesus is the reason for the season. And he just kind of looked at me. Off he went to another aisle, and off I went to the self-serve and get out of there. So I just had a great day yesterday. I was so blessed by it all. And I want to hear from you. What's God doing to make your days exciting and fun? Well, happy Thanksgiving. Well, we, we had a few Thursday and then yesterday. So yesterday I'm sitting at the bar. <laughs> Not the bar, but... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm at the bar of my daughter Kim's kitchen, and my son-in-law is standing nearby, and, and I, I asked him how his mother is doing, and she's been battling cancer, and uh, the doctors have given her a bad report, and I just felt a teaching moment. And I said, you know, I'm in the prophetic school of the supernatural. And the learning about when someone gives you a bad word not to receive it. <laughs> and so I told him that. And I said, so... So I, no, let me back up. I told him, 
Pray the opposite. Pray the opposite of what you see and release that over your mother. And I just kind of, I took a pause, and I, it's almost like I felt the Holy Spirit lift me up, and I'm on my feet, and I'm walking over to him, and I just start declaring life and strength and wholeness to her, her all of her joints and ligaments and, and every organ in her body, and praying for her salvation because she's not saved. She doesn't believe. She never has. And, I mean, I just got tingled all over, and he did too. In fact, he even looked at me kind of like, <laughs> and then I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And he goes, amen. You know, it just, it was awesome. But in that class, really, someone gets a, a bad word, or you're just looking around it, and, and you're sensing what's going on with the person, what, what sickness they have, or whatever it is that the Lord shows you, praying the opposite and declaring, releasing life instead of death. Yeah. What have we done? I don't know. You wanted to ask? I don't know. I was afraid she was going to start preaching, so I thought, no. No, you're good. Does anybody else have a word? That, that was your timer. <laughs> hey, um, I want to share something real quick, and then we want to get Naira up here. So I want to give her as much time as possible. But if anyone else has something that God is really just on your heart to share, um, a picture or a word, I feel like I know I've met you before. You've been here before once, right? Okay. I don't remember your name. Savannah. Okay. That's, that's a good name. You know, I was just... Uh, in worship, I kept seeing my, my attention. Was, I wasn't looking back at you, but I just, you kept coming to mind because you're here. And, I, you know, I was just sensing this, uh, that we were all in this big, wide open field, a level, a level field, very flat. And there was not any one of us in this room that were closer to the throne of Jesus than the other because he was directly above us all. And I just felt like, that came to mind and then you, or I, I saw that and then you came to mind and I felt like you needed to know that, that there, there is no uh, first place and then last place because at the foot of the cross, the ground is level and his care and his, his love for you is just, just as powerful and strong as it is for anyone else in this room or anyone else on earth. But I, when I was thinking about you also, I, I, we were singing um, there was this flash of light. Now we're talking about the resurrection. And I felt like God said that he's going to crack something like a flash of light in your life. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I do believe that there's favor that God wants to awaken you to that, that is coming your way. That it's just going to come like a light bolt, like a, like a flash of lightning. And it's because he loves you and it's because he cares for you. And I believe that he really wants you to know that he's a good father. He's a good daddy. And I know many of us, you know, we either don't have dads in our lives. Some of us have lost our, our earthly fathers. But there was one unchanging truth is that creator God is first and above all else a father. And he created you in his own image. And he calls you daughter. And he loves you 
like a father to a daughter with an undying sacrificial love. So we just want to bless you and we want to declare favor, protection, and whatever it is that God wants to just crack in there, it's going to be good, whatever it is. Oh, there's a baby coming too, so maybe that's what it is. This baby is going to be a blessing to you, all right? And so real quick, um, just I shared this on our little church Facebook messenger thing, but I thought it'd be fun to share it again. I was going into, uh, I deliver mail to the school right over here. It's my first stop. Sitting in my truck, watch this big lumberjack looking dude, kind of Chris's size back there. Big guy with a little tiny boy, and he's walking him into school. And I just, something in my heart was like, there's something about that that caught my attention, that it felt like God was on, God was highlighting that. And I just felt like I was hearing God say, he's a good dad, and he's laying a good foundation for his son. So I thought, okay, well, I'll get out of the truck, and maybe he'll be coming out the same time I'm going in. And lo and behold, here he was coming. It's just a short walkway. And I saw him, and I'm carrying mail. I'm a mailman. Delivering my mail, and I was like, "Hey, uh, can I? Can the mailman tell you something that might sound kind of off, off or weird? Not off guard, but off, uh, just kind of out of the blue." And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "You know, I'm hearing something. You want to know what I'm hearing?" He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> I think he's probably thinking some sound in the air right now. I said, I, "I'm hearing that you're a good dad, and that you're setting a solid foundation for your son." He said, "Oh." I can edit that out of the recording if I want, or I could just leave it for fun. I don't know who listens, if anybody. No, there's people from other parts of the world, I guess, Russia and stuff. He was like, yeah, oh, where did you hear that? And I I was like, this is bizarre. I just kind of looked up, and I was like, heaven. (laughs) He's like, shook my hand. I was like, hey, man, bless your day. And he walked off, and I was like, then I started, I got in my truck and I started trembling. I was like, why am I shaking right now? It was like I could feel the power of God. And I, so I, I wanted to release that. It was on me and I said, God, you're doing whatever you're doing on him and in him. So just, I say yes and amen to it. And I agree to it. So that was fun. Simple, little word. It wasn't like a word of knowledge. You know, I saw you and, as a child and did you have a blue bike or whatever. It's just simple. But I knew it was God. I knew it was his heart. So we want to encourage you guys just to, you know, be that salty light out in the community. Just keep your love light turned on. Keep your heart ready and your eyes open and make eye contact with people. Because they, especially in this season, this holiday season, people need to know Jesus' love. All right, Naira, we're going we're gonna to turn you loose. Good morning. Good morning. Family. Marilyn, you never know a stranger. That's how you roll. Love it. Scott's really stepping out, hitting people with God's love. And we all have a different personality. And he doesn't take our personalities away from us. He uses our personalities. And, and um, I've been stepping out. And for some reason, I don't know why, the Lord's pointing, highlighting um, certain kind of scary look, term scary looking guys. You know, the guys that are with the chains and the tattoos and the scowls on their face. And maybe it's because they have mom issues, I don't know. But he's been leading me in the direction to speak to those people. And, and when I share what God uh, has for them, they just melt. They just melt. And ordinarily in the natural, you just want to kind of skedaddle away like the cartoons as fast as you can because they seem to be intimidating. But Father God loves everybody, and he's going to point those people out to you. 
So that's just an aside. But um, I'm really excited to talk to you today. This is not anything that I've ever shared in any kind of length. Um, I've shared it in bits and pieces. Of course, I spoke with you guys about signs and wonders and dreams and visions and those kinds of things. But in going back and reliving my testimony, it's a really powerful thing because you start thinking about all the markers, all those memorial stones, those altars that you built, those times that he has invaded your life, and I say invade in such a good way, invaded your life and where it has caused you to make those turns, those shifts in the way you think. <clears throat> because he is teaching me who I really am in Father God. It brought me home. So um, the one thing, I just want to be vulnerable for a minute because I'm really feeling like this is on my heart. This is kind of a hard thing to do. But, you know, I've always, and Marilyn's right there with me, we always say we can't carry a tune and, you know, we croak like a frog. I'm not going to say that anymore. And I, I truly believe that um, the Lord is asking me to give a love offering and for something that's going to cost me. So I'm going to be really vulnerable with you, and I'm going to lead out in a song with no music. But if you guys want to join me, that'd be fine. So I hope you tolerate it. Um, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Don't cry. My king, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. He is faithful to answer prayer. I've got to tell you. It's one thing that really stuck out to me in going back over my testimony. When I started to think about the things that I asked him, and as you're busy and you're growing and you're getting in relationship, you don't really track those things. But when you go back and look at them, oh, my gosh, he's faithful in prayer. So I can ask him to change my voice. I can ask him to give me a sweeter voice. Whatever I sing, whatever you sing, even being out of tune is sweet to him. So anyway, I start out with, um, actually, when I was a child, it's the first time I had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, my mom left, myself and my younger sister, when we were four years old. My dad moved in with his mom. So I was raised by my dad and my grandma and my grandpa. And I also had my mom's mom in my life. Well, my grandma was raised in Methodist church, and she comes from a long line of lay people and clergy people, and my other grandma being Catholic. But I was raised in the Methodist church. My grandma took us every Sunday, attended Bible school. I loved it actually and uh, occasionally I went to mass with my um, grandma so I had a friend a best friend who lived down at the end of the block and there was a church at the end of the block and it was a Baptist church and I loved the reverend there his name was Reverend LaRose he was just a big cheerful loving just a guy full of joy and he brought the fire of God he wasn't a Bible thumper but he brought the fire of God and so sometimes I'd spend the night with her, and I'd go uh, to church with her in the morning. And it was there that I answered an altar call. 
And you have to understand, I was a painfully shy kid, full of probably insecurities and, you know, my mom leaving. And I think later on in life it caused me to just be um, really controlling. But walked down the aisle to an altar call and had an encounter with Jesus. I knew he was there. I didn't notice anybody else there, didn't care. Didn't even have a thought that here I was, this little kid walking down the aisle, and there's a couple other adults going down there. But I just felt his presence so strongly, just the love and the care. And I felt like he was holding my hand. So all that being said, I walked away. I walked away as a teenager. I walked away in my adult years. Um, I think because when you have something that's ripped away from you as a child, even though I grew up in a really secure home and nobody ever left, but I always had that sense that something could be ripped away from me. And it made me want to grab onto control because that made me feel secure. I had control. So really in my adulthood, I was uh, living in control. I was being my own little God and my own little kingdom. My son's raising his hand back there. <laughs> but in the midst of that, you know, here I was this person that if I had a problem, I was going to solve it. I had the answer. I was the one that was going to fit that square pig in that round hole no matter what. But guess what? What happens if you don't have the answer? Pressure. Ah, it's like, all right, I have the answer. What am I going to do? It's not a mellow way to live. I don't recommend it to anybody. And probably there are times when I might revert to that and struggle with that a little bit. But even though he was still drawing me near and talking to me, I mean, in good events in my life, I'd say, thank you, Lord. And I'd visit with him for a few minutes. Or, 911, oh my gosh, look what's happening, I need you, what am I going to do? And in life events, like my daughter throughout her pregnancy and my son throughout his pregnancy, and uh, just turning them over to the Lord, praying for their pregnancies and that they would be fine and healthy. So he was still drawing me closer. And then I would tell you, Back then, one day, I don't know why I picked up this book. I know now why, because it's part of his plan. Um, I picked up this book, um, The Prayer of Jabez. Can you put on number two? That's I missed number one. Which, what I wanted to say in my testimony in being a child is, I had an encounter with the Lamb, the Lamb of God, who comes so sweetly and sacrificially and, and says, this is what I did for you. So I picked up this book, The Prayer of Jabez, and if you guys know anything about this, um, it's a big prayer. Now, I don't know why I picked this book up at that time, but something drew me to it, and I read it. And it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. And enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And I thought, oh, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Keep your hand upon me. 
keep me from harm that I will be free from pain. I didn't know what I was praying. Let me tell you. That's a big God. That's a big prayer to a big God. So we can ask. We can ask for anything, and he's there. So my spirit began to come awake. There was a rumbling. It was a spark that ignited me. And he began to show me who he was. But yet, I had no clue who I was in him yet, really. But I had no clue of the hurricane love that he has for me. So in my walk, he began to show me that. I got an invitation back to church. Uh, My best friend was working at uh, what was then the Sprint Call Center. And one of the gals that she worked with, um, her dad was one of the pastors at uh, the church. And she had invited my friend to church. And she said, come on, let's go to church. I said, hey, that's timely. Yeah, let's go. It's time to go back to church. And so I went with her, and it was fun. We visited a couple churches, actually, and we wound up settling, going to one church. And the interesting thing is, is the Lord is beginning to step into my life and and teach me and call to me. So this is kind of a sensitive thing, and I want to be careful how how, how I say it, and it's not something I've ever shared corporately before. My best friend had a friend of the family who was visiting from out of state. He was actually coming for like a sabbatical. He had a lot of letters behind his name, a lot of degrees. And he was coming, uh, writing a thesis, and my friend was going to edit it and help him type it up. And so she asked me if I'd jump on that and help her do it. So I did. And I got to know this individual a little bit. Um, He's someone who elevated himself in the church. He had no authority over him. And they kind of had a relationship where they would kind of flip, be flippant with each other back and forth. And, but sometimes he would get really caustic, and, and sometimes he'd say things that were kind of on the edge of being hurt. And uh, she'd just kind of look, and she'd just shoot something back at him. And one day we were in the car, and he's, I'm driving, and he's riding up front, and she's sitting in the back. And he said something that was particularly mean-spirited, and that just rose up in me. And I kind of glanced in the rearview mirror, and she's got kind of a quizzical look on her face. She's not quite sure how to take it, but I can see it was an arrow that struck her. (laughs) And I was just like, no, uh uh-uh. And I just said, no, stop now. And I don't remember whether I said in Jesus' name or not. I'd like to say I did, but I'm not sure that I did. But I told him, I'm amazed that this is coming out of you, given who you are. And he just stayed really, really quiet. So we got back out of the car, and I said, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. Mind you, I'd never done this before. I didn't know anything really about spiritual warfare. But whatever it was he deposited in me that rose up, and I just went to town. I don't even remember what I said. And he sat there in a chair. He bowed his head, and I prayed over him and prayed over him, and afterwards I wanted to go like, there now, which I didn't, which I didn't. But he looked up at me, and he said, wow, you know how to pray. And I said, well, I guess I do. (laughs) He stayed really, really quiet, and he goes, I guess you called out a spirit, right? And I said, I guess that's what I did. He put a name to it. So after that, he continued to go to church, and once in a while he'd come with her and go to church. Well, the next thing I know, 
I'm at her house one day, and he comes out, and he says, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he said, God told me that you're to be my wife. I'm to marry you. You're to submit to me. I'm to be the father of your children. I was a widow at the time. But he did it so heavy-handedly. And so I said to him, well, I didn't get that memo. (laughs) And uh, he said, oh, well, I know better than you. And he was kind of bringing up his credentials, right? And I said, listen, I have the same access to God that you do. And I'm not getting that. And he goes, well, will you pray about it? You should pray about it. It's an offer on the table. You should take it to God. And I'm not sure you've done that because you're being reactive. I said, you know what? I said, I'll do that. And honestly, I did. And I went back to him and I said, nicely, but I said, no way, no how, never. (laughs) Well, this individual took it upon himself to write a letter to the pastor of the church I was attending. Now, mind you, I was a new person at the church. I had just, I knew that I needed community and I knew I needed to get involved and and avail myself of the opportunities there. And I had started to take a class that was, um, was a good class, Power of Repentance and Forgiveness by Leah Coulter. And then I went on to take The Bay to Satan by John Bevere. Mind you, I'm going through this stuff. I'm taking these classes before I even know what this man has done. And this is God preparing the way. So he wrote this letter to the pastor saying that he had someone, an individual, that was not submissive to authority, who was rebellious, who was not willing to surrender to a godly man who just knew that he heard from the Lord that he was to marry me. Meantime, my son's about having a fit. He's ready to take He actually did make an appointment with him at the restaurant and let him know. Mm-mm. <laughs> so I uh, went to the lady. I knew enough to go. I didn't feel comfortable going to the pastor yet. I didn't have a relationship with him. I went to the woman who was teaching the repentance and forgiveness class, and I laid it down to her, and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. And so she took it to the pastor, and she came back, and she said, Pastor said to write him a letter just in conclusively about this and, and your feelings on this. And she said and to, that he wants you to know that you are under his covering and under his protection, and in no way is he going to let anybody come in and treat you this way or do this, and this man has no standing um, or believability in this church. So in that, wow, I prayed for the Lord to bless me indeed and to enlarge my territory and for his hand to be upon me and that I would not have pain. He prepared this all the way. And so I just look back on this and see how he put me in this place and allowed this to happen to strengthen me so I would learn that I had covering that I did was in submission to authority, but yet I had authority to take, to step up and do warfare over those dark places. And that I had protection, and that he was my protection and my cover. 
So I began to get uh, connected in the body and um, meet people and, and try to start to build community. And I'm starting to hear from the Lord. One of the first things that, um, in hearing his voice, if you could put up slide three. Ethan, thank you. So I, we started to have a uh, meeting for the women at night, um, our women's uh, ministry leader, um, who I'm thankful for, who mentored me, um, a real uh, worshiper. And we had been talking about getting prophetic words. And Debbie, you remember this. We started having meetings, and um, she was asking us what we were hearing from the Lord. I'm brand new. So a couple of nights before the meeting, I went to bed, and uh, I woke up in the middle of the night out of a deep sleep, just bolt upright hearing, unclothe yourself. And I'm going, okay, well, I'm sleepy, but I know this is unusual, and I know that it's from the Lord. So I go, okay. I'm so tired. I went back to sleep. I woke up in the morning, and immediately upon waking up, heard, and come before me. So I shared it uh, with our women's ministry leader, and um, she uh, gave me this verse in Zechariah, and he's, and he's talking about, um, did I give you the right verse? Can we go, is there, there you go. So this is about Joshua when he's dressed in filthy clothes, and, and really, he's our righteousness. You know, how can I unclothe myself? So I was kind of pondering this for a while, and I believe what he was trying to say to me is, be vulnerable, be naked in front of me, because I have your best interest at heart. All these things you don't have to hold on to, just come naked before me, because he wants to be my righteousness. And so I shared that, and can you go on to the, go on to the next one? Thank you. So... Um, as I'm walking along on my walk with him, he's telling me to speak in remembrance of me. So this verse says, so I always will remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So this steadies me as I walk along. And as I would encounter things that um, were coming against me or things that I was insecure about or didn't know about, I would go back and remember those things that he had already done in my life. But this led me to a decision as I'm pondering this, that I want all of you. I give you all. I'm willing to yield. And I said to him, I want to live my life like a prayer to you. That was my prayer to him. I want to live my life like a prayer to you. So I began to be established in the church and get foundational teaching, and it was really, really, really good foundational teaching. And... Um, but one day our woman's ministry leader said something to me. I was having an issue, and I don't want to give anybody else up in this, but she said, this is what you need to do. And she was, wanted me to come on the prayer guard, but there was this area in my life <clears throat> that um, I needed to submit to. And I walked away thinking, kind of grumbling, going, I don't get that. Why do I have to do this? And I'm pondering it, and I'm talking to the Lord about it, and I'm kind of complaining and grumbling. And I'm going to pick somebody up to take them to tea time. And uh, there's a lady in front of me, and I'm running late. And she's a little old lady in front of me. 
And I'm just going, and I just heard this, submit. Just submit. And he uses those circumstances or allows those circumstances, if he can't get you directly, he's going to go another way. And for me, that happens a lot. And so I realized when he's asking me to submit, I immediately had peace. And I said, okay, well, get there late, I get there late. But I realized at that point, okay, Lord, you're trying to tell me that I need to submit. And I need to submit that this, to this person over me. And she's right. And I saw the rightness of it because he worked it out in me. So I began to serve on the prayer guard and became prayer captain, then was asked to serve on the women's board, um, which positioning learned me, uh, was teaching me to step out and come under authority. And shortly thereafter, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And in that and in her fight for her life, I just really started developing my prayer life and trusting the Lord and him showing his face to me as a healer. And she came through that after four months, you know, and he did wondrous things in her life at that time. I prayed that she would get uh, physical healing, emotional healing, because she didn't know her birth dad, and he actually, in the process of this, came out from Nebraska and visited her and stepped up to be a dad. Um, and praying for her for uh, spiritual healing. So he is a healer, and these are him showing his steps along the way, his character and attributes um, to me. So um, if you could put up number three. Oh, sorry. Um, and this one, the, the Lord is saying, um, oh, wait, that's the wrong one. Second Peter. Sorry. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So in the process of my daughter healing, I began to recount all those things that he had done and how faithful he is. And I would speak that back to him and say, Lord, you are so faithful. I trust you. You're showing me who you are. You're showing your face to me, your attributes and your character coming to depend on you. And uh, so uh, the next um, turning point for me in my growth was uh, I was coming out of someplace in the church and I saw Deb sitting at a table and uh, walked over to her or she called me over and she goes, would you pray? Um, for an individual, and I won't say who that is, but she asked me if I would pray for an individual um, that she was praying for. And I think it's when you're doing emotional healing, right? And so I walked away, and I did, and I got in my car, and I drove away, and the Lord was showing me him as being the Lion of Judah. And he said, I patrol the outskirts of your camp, so you can see me as this high and lifted up personage or you can invite me into your camp and sit at my feet, breathe the air that I breathe, eat with me, and strategize with me. And so I went back immediately, drove back to the church, <clears throat> and told Debbie that. And then I went off again to a haircut cut appointment. I'm praying on the way there for this person. He gives me more. So I come back to her again, tell her again, and then I stayed and actually uh, prayed with this person. So sometimes the Lord will give you something for somebody else, and man, it takes root in your life. It's a turning point for me to see him as the Lion of Judah, 
to see the victory, to see the power that he has, how he fights for us. And so that was another one of my turning points. Um, then he began to show me about trusting him. And my son had been praying for his salvation, and he had an encounter coming out of anesthesia, and Connie had prayed for him um, that his, his subconscious mind would be subjected to the Lord and nobody else could come in. And so he had an angelic encounter while he was under anesthesia. So how faithful is he to answer prayer? Um, bear with me, guys. Am I doing good? Okay. What? Only 10 minutes? Really? Ooh. Okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> can you put up Ephesians 5, 25? So, um, I had a vision um, as I'm talking to the Lord and praying for an individual, and he gave me the vision of a radiant bride. And seeing that woman just arrayed in all of that finery, and it was glowing, and it was glittery, and it was beautiful. And so um, I called that person and said, you know, told them the, the vision that I um, had gotten. And again, like the Lion of Judah, I took that for myself. And I go, wow, really? Is that what we look like to you as the radiant bride? That's what I look like to you? Is that my identity in you? So he was beginning to teach me now who I was in him, that I could be a warrior in him, that he was a line of Judah coming to my defense, that he was also the lamb, that he's a counselor, he's a prince of peace. He's starting to show trusted, faithful. And um, so... I am raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ. I don't have to feel powerless or be afraid to be in control. And I began to receive healing from that, just to turn everything over to him. And it's a time when I learned to say, instead of getting frazzled at things and getting on that hamster wheel, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? I have this problem now. Where's this problem coming from? Not even realizing maybe it was something that I had done myself or it was just you know, life happening. So I learned to just settle. And so slowly but surely, I kept jumping off the hamster wheel until the hamster wheel got thrown out. And, um, and just asking him, Lord, what is this? Is this something I created? Is this an attack of the enemy? Is this just life? And what should my response be? Do I need to do spiritual warfare? Do I need to clean up my mess? Do I need to press into you harder? And he began to help give me wisdom and discernment in those areas. So asking to learning to grow in wisdom and discernment, actually praying for that. So I was pressing on in a relationship. And like in any relationship, you don't get to know someone overnight. And it's developing trust and learning what, who's, what, what somebody's character is, what their integrity is, what their their personal attributes are, and he's really good to offer that up to us. Um, the next thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, can you put up Second Timothy? And as I'm relaying this to you, I don't want you to think of it in terms, um, bringing it in terms of like um, religious spirit or something that's legalistic. 
Because those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So during this time period, he was teaching me about sanctifying to and from. So we can be, he wants us to be set apart, right, from worldly things or, or things that, are, that can be, you know, damaging to us, things that pull us apart for, or from him, separate us from him. Um, also things that can become an idol in your life. You're spending, you know, an inordinate amount of time. And I knew that. But the other component of that, what he was teaching me, is we can sanctify too. So when something comes up in your life, when somebody is, maybe you get an offense, or you feel that somebody is taking something from you, or it's an uncomfortable place, you can take that situation and sanctify it to him. And you can say, Lord, I just choose to let this go. And his grace is upon it. So instead of, you know, worrying about it or having to hold on to it with those tight hands, like, I'm not going to let this go. My internal attorney says, don't let it go. You can let that go. And you can take that and sanctify it, and he will bring, you know, good, good things out of it. Um, so it was around this point that the Lord started uh, talking to me, kind of pointing people out to me. And uh, the first time, well, he did that a couple of times, and I just was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to go talk to that person. No, 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 no. And I happened to be in uh, court one time, and I think I've shared this story with you, that there was a young lady in there, and I was in the courtroom, and he said, tell her I love her with an extraordinary love. And I go, eh, um, well, we're in the courtroom right now, Lord, and I'm here to support a friend, and she might get up in front of the judge, turn around, and not see me there. So I imagine him going, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, if she's still there after my friend goes up in front of the judge, I'll go out in the lobby and I'll talk to her. So guess what? Sure enough, he really wanted that message to be relayed to that lady. <laughs> she was a young girl. So my friend got done and we walked out and we were some other friends and they were talking to him and I kind of walked away and she goes, hey, where are you going? I said, I have something I need to do. So I walked up to her and I tapped her on the back and of course I told her what the Lord said and she just melted and she just cried. Seeing the fruit of that, as I walked away, I said, Lord, I will never equivocate, say no to you or bargain with you. The next time you point somebody out to me, I will be faithful and do that. So this is a part I haven't shared with you. <laughs> so I was in the laundromat one day because... My dryer wasn't working, so I was hauling scads of laundry to the laundromat and drying them. Later found out that my dryer had become unplugged. I think my son was out of town at the time. Yeah, didn't even look, didn't even occur to me. That's why he's good for that. Uh, so I'm in the laundromat, and I'm hauling in these big baskets of wet clothes. And I happen to go in this bay where there's a young man... Of course, he's got the leather jacket on, and he's got all the whatever, his hair. And, you know, he just looks, like, scary, like, stay away from me. He's got a scowl, doing his laundry. He's got boots on and, you know, the chains and all of that. And he has rolls of quarters. And so as I'm putting my stuff in the dryer, 
his rolls of quarters drop, and they scatter all over the place. And he's got all these explicatives that are coming out of his mouth, and he's, he's going to pick up the cord. I just felt the Lord say, like, this is somebody's son, and he's upset. And so I just quietly went over, and I said, here, let me help you. And I started picking up the coins, and I, he's looking at me like, who are you, lady? <laughs> like, why are you, here I am, you know, throwing a little fit, cursing, and you're helping me pick up these quarters. And so I picked up the quarters, and, you know, he kind of calmed down a little bit, and I could see him soften a little bit. I didn't say much of anything else. And when I got ready to leave, I could see him looking out of the corner of, my, out of, out of, the corner of his eye at me, and I'm trying to open the door, and I got these heavy. He comes right over. He opens the door. He loads them in my car for me. <laughs> and I thought, okay, Lord. So I walked away going, how do I even talk to him about you, Lord? I don't know how to do that yet. I think I should have. But I began to realize that sometimes it's just showing his face, showing his love. And like you shared, Sharon, you know, about that Christ is so right there that they see him and not see you, that we can love on people and they will wonder, signs and wonders, right? They will wonder where that comes from. And maybe you're just the one that's, that's planting the seed. Somebody else might come along and sow. I just had an encounter the other day with my uh, grandson in the library downtown. I was printing out the notes for our class. And I was sitting at the Bay of Computers and he was sitting with me and there was a man sitting on the very end, and he was kind of agitated a little bit. And then this guy comes in. He's a big guy. He's like my son. And he has like a false eye, so he kind of looks like Peter Falk. And he's got uh, like a, um, a black pea coat on, like the navy coat. And he's got a black beanie on pulled way down. And he's, you know, kind of hulking in sits down next to the guy on the end, and all of a sudden I hear this guy, he's mad and he's cursing. He goes, you got water all over me. You set your water bottle down. Get away from me, blah, 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 blah. And this big guy who looks so scary and intimidating, he goes, oh, man, oh, sorry, sorry, man, oh, oh. And he starts to move away. Well, I was just getting up to walk to the printer to get print off my stuff, and I just felt the Lord say, go over, and I just touched him on the arm. And I said, grace to you, brother, just grace. And he goes, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And I said, just shake it off. Don't let it bother you. So I went and printed off my copies, and I went over and tapped my grandson. I said, come on, let's go. And the guy goes, uh, uh, wait a minute. Can you please help me? I don't know how to find this on the computer. And I said, sure, what do you need? He was looking up a friend of his or an acquaintance that he had met that ran a Christian school in Canada, and he didn't know how to find him. So Christopher and I sat and tried to help him find that. He never did find him, but he wanted to know how to print the screen off, and I didn't know how to do that, but Christopher did. So what I say to you is, um, and those are aliases in a way, because people sometimes put on a persona, and it sometimes keep people away. I'm this big, bad, tough guy, you know, don't bother me. And uh, deep down inside, they're just somebody's child. They're just a man. They're loved by God. And so 
I'm not saying to walk into things that are dangerous, that you, we have wisdom and discernment for that. But I found coming out of myself and trying to see people the way the Lord sees them, um, there's so much fruit in that. Marilyn's good at that, about walking up and, you know, just touching people. Everybody. When you're with Marilyn, everybody gets the Marilyn touch. And how they just succumb to it. She has that presence of God on her. They just succumb to it. And Scott, and you get a word for people, and they're highlighted. And, you know, when I grow up, that's what I, what I want to do. That's what I'm aspiring to. I have a different personality, so it might translate in a different way. But um, I appreciate you guys, and I, I appreciate you stepping out and, and uh, modeling that for us, and I want a piece of that. So um, as I'm moving forward now, I have favor, and I've developed community. I've aligned myself with some pretty um, godly women, Debbie and Connie and Marilyn, and in our group as we came into... Um, the other church that we came into. And what favor. I mean, I hadn't been in that church more than a month or two and just received so much favor. And it was like a, it was like a hot house. Whatever it was the Lord was doing, he knit us together, formed community. He gave us a woman that um, has the dynamics that were needed to do that. To, like say it's like herding cats. She pulled us all together and she taught us about... Um, Forming, norming, storming, performing, whatever the... I probably got the sequence wrong. Um, but that was a powerful tool. And we learned to work together and to be able to commune together and pray together. And um, we were all able to impart our different gifts uh, to each other. And the Lord did just tremendous things. He just opened up... Um, avenues to minister to the women in ways that were beyond what we could even uh, imagine. So favor there, and favor coming into this community and this church. And uh, I don't know, you know, what's in store. I'd like to know what his plans are, but I don't. I just now have learned to trust him and talk to him every day and hear his voice. And, and uh my current thing that I'm praying for is to have kingdom eyes. I, I want to, to, for my will to align with his and to have kingdom eyes. So when I see something, I'm not necessarily seeing it in the natural. And I think Marilyn and I kind of discovered that. You know, he's good. He goes before and prepares the way. Because this class that we're taking, I'm finding that he's working things out in the week before the class. I had no idea... Because one of the things we're learning is about uh, forth telling. And one of the, the third part of forth telling is, um, is inviting God into the situation about something that we see. And I think the example they used was like the earthquake. But a couple of weeks before this particular lesson, walking into the room in there and seeing um, all of the rainbow stuff and and immediately, well, Marilyn and I went in there and we started prophesying in the opposite spirit because it was, you know, it was a distortion um, counterfeit of God's rainbow. And I didn't know that that's what we were doing at the time. I just knew in the spirit that that was the right thing to do. So he goes before and prepares the way. 
before we even get to the lesson sometimes. So I'm learning to honor those people around me and realize that the, everyone that he's put before me and in my life have been a gift, truly. Even those that, I, that there's been some adversity with because I've learned from each and every person. So I just want to say he's my hope, he's my song. He takes the past and reconciles the account. So he moves me and the ledger from the minus into the plus. He rewires my thinking and rearranges my priority. He's taught me who I am, who I've been designed to be, not who I thought I was, and as I'm ping-ponging through life trying to figure everything out. He says, fall on me. You're uniquely created in his image, valued, loved, precious in his sight, beyond comprehension. So I want to live in the freedom that the lamb brings, and I want to roar like the lion of Judah. That's all I got. So we are really blessed. We are really blessed to have you. Obviously, the whole of you that came together, but this is your moment. And I, I know your heritage. I know a spiritual father that we, we've shared. Um, and so we just, we have, in, we have inherited as Legacy City Church, part of our legacy is inheriting kingdom daughters, kingdom warriors like Naira. And even as you're sharing, I just, it was like the Lord of the Rings kind of pictures were coming to mind. Warrior garments, but with a crown, like royal fighting bride of Christ, but ready. And I was even seeing you with a sword, like a real, just a, like a crystal blazing, powerful, but magical looking sword and a hood that was like a lion's head hood. So when you go to battle, you throw your hood on and the lion of Judah in the sword of his word just moves forward. But when you lift that hood off, the crown is just right there. So we, we just thank you. We bless you, Lord. We just say continue, God. We're so privileged to share uh, schooling and, and kingdom life and church gatherings and, and just everything, God. We just thank you that we get this with Naira, and we just bless her, Lord, and we thank you for all you're doing, all you're going to do in the days ahead, in Jesus' name. Amen.